Hello and welcome to Cartridge Cinema Club episode 38. My name is Mark Champlin and today I'm joined by Alex Wallace. What is up girls and gays? I gotta say, real like, I, I'm in a fantastic mood today, I'm gonna be honest, because, you know, I, I'm so conditioned, I'm so, I'm so beaten down by this podcast where, you know, every week I wake up on, on Sunday morning and I'm just, I'm just ready, I'm just ready for pain, I'm ready to, to be offended, I'm ready to, like, have my sensibilities insulted, I'm ready to have my intelligence insulted, and instead... This week, we got to watch one of my favorite movies of all time. Maybe my favorite movie. Eh, not my favorite movie of all time. Top five. One of my top five favorite films of all time. And that that feels fucking good, man. That feels fantastic. How did, how did you feel watching a good movie for this podcast? It was... I love documentaries, and um, it's funny because last night I just watched a, a mockumentary, and I was just really in the mood to be to be sold a specific narrative and mm-hmm. uh, really enjoy the the craft of building a story out of you know talking to real people um, because that was kind of the whole the whole bit with the movie I I just watched, and I was. I, I had heard so much about this movie being one of the documentaries that you should watch if you're trying to get into documentaries, even from people who don't necessarily like video games the way that we do. This movie has been, you know, has been called a a very good one of those, and uh, it it definitely is. I was. I was fucking enthralled with this movie because the just the way they build the characters, um, they do such a good job. And there's so little, um, you know, interference and narration. Uh, it's it's really they they let the they let the people speak for themselves. They let these these facial expressions and these these little moments that there's so much fucking history captured uh, in this movie. Oh god, it's such a good movie. It's it's it, it really like I I you know I'll get into kind of the specifics of why I really think this uh, when we kind of get to our more general thoughts about the film. But like up front, straight up, I think this movie is a masterpiece. Like I really do. I think it is a I think it is a masterwork in documentary storytelling. I think it is just just so engaging from start to finish. It's so tight. Every single line, every single one-liner they get from people has its place in the film for a reason. Everything is so tightly crafted. It, 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 this, this film, like, I, I have, like, an emotional reaction to just how well that it's made. Like, it's not even an emotional, re- like, you know, the story that they tell is an emotionally engaging story, but I have, I have, like, an emotional reaction to the craft of this film. Like, just watching how expertly, how, how, like, there is a virtuosic quality to this film and the way that it's put together. It is just fantastic. Tell me about The King of Kong, A Fistful of Quarters, Mark. First of all, it's a great title. 
Yeah. Uh, I, I really just like a fistful of quarter. It feels like they thought they couldn't get away with just calling it the King of Kong, even though colloquially that's what it's called now because it's yeah. been, you know, nine, uh, 12 years since the movie came out. And I've never heard it called a King of Kong colon a fistful of quarters. They, they, they needed to add something there and it, it, it just totally works. Yeah. Um, it's, yeah, again, it's from 2007. It's an American documentary uh, directed by Seth Gordon. Um, and it follows uh, Steve Wiebe in his attempts to take the high score record uh, for the original uh, Nintendo arcade game Donkey Kong from the previous holder and uh, all-around interesting human being, uh, Billy Mitchell. I think last episode I called, I don't know if this was on the air or not, but I called him the the proto-Dr. Disrespect, <laughs> which is, I, I think, just the long hair and, like, the, the beard the thing. Shitty the shitty mustache. The mustache. <laughs> yeah. uh, that was the thing that made me think of that. Um, they don't really have the same exact type of personality but there's there's a bit there's a bit uh of analogy there to be made um they're kindred uh, spirits for sure yeah t- uh tell me about the the plot because this there actually is a plot yeah uh, for once on this there's, podcast there's a there's a story that happened and then there's the story that the movie tells which obviously is what happened but i'm sure you being a, a documentary filmmaker have a lot to say about how the story was reconstructed and told uh, through the process of this movie. Yeah, so um, I want to I want to make a quick note before I kind of start describing the plot. In, in that, I know uh, that there's a lot of Donkey Kong history uh, that this film doesn't really cover. There's a lot of people who were involved in the competitive Donkey Kong scene who don't appear. I've heard a lot of people say that this film sort of like dramatizes and misconstrues reality for good storytelling. Um, and what I'm here to say is that, uh, that's what a documentary is. <laughs> um, you know, I, uh, studied documentary in, in college. And one of the most important things that a documentary professor ever told me was every documentary you see is bullshit. Every documentary you see is made to be good storytelling. If you want history, if you want, uh, you know, like, if you want to be more than entertained, if you want to be accurately informed, don't watch a fucking documentary because that's not what they're for. Documentaries, like even if the information, even if the things that are presented within the film are true, even if they are true events, there are there is one, the fact that these are people, normal people being put in front of a camera. People don't act like normal people when they're in front of a camera. So that that is already twisting the reality in some way. And then also like, the way that they will juxtapose different clips of different people talking, take clips out of context, uh, prompt someone to get a specific soundbite that you want and then cut out the question so it sounds like they're saying something a little bit more nasty or a little bit like, that's the medium, bro. Like if you're complaining that King of Kong doesn't like accurately tell the story of the Donkey Kong history, you're missing the fucking point. You're here to get told a good ass story and they do that here in, just an incredible way, uh, which I'm going to gush about in a bit, but we'll get through the, the plot. So, so Billy Mitchell, uh, he's a, he's a hotshot arcade game playing superstar. He's kind of been this like famous best arcade game player in the world since the eighties. He's also the biggest tool in the universe. Um, and then <laughs> no exaggeration necessary. Really? He, su- he sucks. <laughs> he's such a piece of shit. Um, and then Steve Wiebe is like this dorky dad who lost his job and he beats 
Billy's Donkey Kong record on his Donkey Kong machine in his fucking garage, right? And and it's this whole big deal. Fucking camera crews are coming out to see this dude in his garage playing fucking Donkey Kong, beating this world records that, you know, has been set for like a decade now, right? Um, or more mm -hmm. than that. And so the film is not even so much about the competition between Steve and Billy because Billy is just like almost an absent, like he is like a, a structuring absence for the film and that he almost never actually, he, he almost never encounters Steve in real life because he is afraid of losing to him. Um, and the, the film is really about the way that the people at Twin Galaxies, which is this sort of like longstanding record keeping organization for video games, are just completely screwing over Steve Wiebe and giving preferential treatment to Billy because there is just such a cult of personality around this dude and the concept of him being the best that people are willing to, you know, completely forego the rules in Billy's favor. Like Steve is constantly told that he needs to show up live and, and perform on the spot because they're like, oh, he was playing at home. He probably had like some kind of altered, you know, arcade board or something. He needs to show up and prove himself. And Billy is constantly talking about how people need to show up and prove themselves. And Steve is constantly showing up and proving himself while Billy stays at home and submits fraudulent tapes and gets dumped with praise by this entire community for lying, basically. We'll get to the part where he's a fraud. Um, <laughs> Yeah, the um the the I like that you said that kind of the actual story of the movie is Twin Galaxies because I totally felt the same way. Uh the the story is Steve and the story is Steve, you know, getting his triumphant moment uh after, you know, kind of going through a, a tough time in his life, uh getting to finally receive that glory uh after just getting totally fucked over. But yeah, the the story of Twin Galaxies kind of coming to the realization that they were not as impartial as they thought they were. And uh, really that this whole thing had gotten to the, the point where, you know, humans um, knack of following the cult of personality of, uh, of a figure and kind of following uh, money to, to a certain extent, because they, they, the, the filmmakers make sure to include uh, the segment of the Twin Galaxies owner talking about how it's mutually beneficial for them and for Billy that Billy is this superstar. Yeah. Um, that's that is that's the story that that is to be told from this movie. Yeah. Um, so I think we can kind of like we've kind of already covered like some of our general thoughts on this, but I really do want to kind of dig into why I think this is such just an incredible piece of storytelling. Um, I mentioned uh, on last week's episode when we talked about this uh, movie at the end that, um, you know, this is what I do, right? Um, uh, people who know who I am outside of this podcast, which again, I think is most people who listen to this podcast know that I make documentaries about competitive gaming. And this film really is the reason that I do that. This film really uh, was a huge inspiration to me. And even sitting watching it now, you know, I'm in the middle of a massive feature length project right now that I've been working on for years. And watching this film and seeing the way that they just make all of the pieces fit together so well and seeing how they waste so little time and seeing how, how much story and how much emotion and how much humor and, and how much history they're able to fit in an hour and 22 minutes is just astonishing. And I think the, the thing that really makes, like, takes this from being an entertaining film to being something that I think is kind of transcendent is 
how much of it is captured on tape. Um, like, the, it, it's, like, it's amazing how many moments in this history that they were able to capture live on camera. Like, you know, there's this whole sequence where Steve Wiebe has been told by the Twin Galaxies people, oh, you need to come out to this place called Fun Spot. That's where all the real motherfuckers show up to come through and play some motherfucking Donkey Kong. If you're a real <laughs> one, you need to come through and play some fucking Donkey Kong and Fun Spot. And he's like, I yeah, love okay. that it's called Fun Spot. Yeah, it's fucking Fun Spot. Um, and he got the fucking world record there at the fun spot and they got it live on camera him getting the world record in this game that has been standing for like over a decade and there are so yeah. many like they capture the moment where twin galaxies got accepted into the guinness book of world records on tape like they have so there's so much history just being shown live as it's happening um i want to talk about a particular moment that i think is really strong just because i'm gonna gush about this movie a lot um there's a montage kind of in the first 20 minutes when they, you know, they, the, the movie starts the first 10 minutes, they talk about who Billy is. The next 10 minutes, they talk about who Steve is. And then they talk about their rivalry from there. And in the sequence where they're talking about Steve is, who Steve is, they talk about, you know, how he's, uh, you know, this trained musician, how he used to play baseball in high school, how he is, has this incredible knack for hand-eye coordination. And there's this montage where like, he's playing the drums and playing the piano and then cutting to him playing Donkey Kong and drawing lines on the screen to show where the patterns of the barrels go and where the patterns of all the springs go so that he can avoid them and memorize it. And then they're overlaying lines over him drumming. They're overlaying a line over him throwing a pitch. And it's like, and then they're just playing this like loud ass Steve Wiebe drumming over all of this, <laughs> you know, all of the, these different things that require his uh, full mental attention and all of, you know, his his incredible technical ability that he's able to apply to all of these different things. And the way that they're able to communicate that visually and through the interviews and, and everything, it is just, it's so artfully done. It's just so well put together. It it, it is really just, just such an incredible piece of art. Um, and also it's one of the funniest fucking movies you will ever see in your life. Holy shit. This is one of the best comedies ever made. <laughs> I, yeah, these these fucking people have no idea how how fucking funny this entire this entire thing is. Not to like not to make light of like the idea that they're it's it the, the humor is not derived from the fact that they take Donkey Kong seriously. We met because we take Super Smash Brothers seriously. Mm -hmm. Like we we are no place to talk. But it's it's the way that they that they say things. It's the the way that they the way that they talk to each other and just the 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 um, the unbearable amounts of salt uh, for some of these characters. Yeah, um, we'll, we'll we'll get to, to those in the specific characters uh, uh, section because that's kind of what this is. We're we're, we're kind of giving general thoughts and then we got to go over these fucking characters. Um, yeah, I did want to say when you're talking about how much footage that they managed to get. Uh, I, I compare this to like a similar type of documentary, maybe about video games, maybe about sports. Um, and they really do just have so much footage of all the things that they're talking about that they don't need to, they don't need to have a narrator say, and here's the thing that happened. And we were able to film their reactions, you know, uh, a week after it happened, or here's a phone call from that day. They, they have the fucking footage and it's so much more effective. And that is kind of what makes this movie, you know, transcend the the documentary thing and just really be like a, a story that we can get behind yeah um, 
Yeah, yeah I, there, there's no like text on the screen. One week later, blank happens. I think at all at this like whole movie. <laughs> yeah, there's no narrator in it. There's very no. minimal text, very minimal graphics. It's mostly just people talking and the footage of the events. Um, I was watching this uh, with my girlfriend last night, who is who was very drunk at the time, and she described it as. It's like half Trailer Park Boys, half Napoleon Dynamite. Like, yes. <laughs> it just it just has this very, like, like all of the characters have this very, like, stilted kind of awkward quality to them. And the reason for that, like, like you, you the whole time you're watching it is like, everybody in this movie is so fucking weird. And, and I think the main reason is just that they're all just nerds trying to be cool on camera. You know, that's all it is. Yeah. These are just, like, you know, because I have done this, because I have... I, I work in this medium and I have made films like this. When I watch stuff like this, I'm always the, the, how did they do that is always in my brain. The, how did this go? Remember, there's always a camera there. Remember that this person isn't just speaking into space. They're talking to someone with a, holding a video camera. They probably don't do that very often, you know? And it leads people to just say these fucking ridiculous things. And, and everyone just cares about this so much. And it's, you know, obviously like, we're, we are not going to dunk on people for giving a shit about Donkey Kong in this, in this episode because fuck you, dude. Human passion can be for anything. Who cares? But it, it's the way that they're passionate. It's the particular, like, weird, like, passive-aggressive salt and the, the, the shenanigans and the fraud and all of the espionage that goes on in this fucking movie. Like, it... It's just, it's just such a farce. It's so absurd as you're watching it. It's, we gotta get, we gotta get into it because there's so many characters that we have to talk about in this movie. So obviously the, the, the big ticket character in this movie, the true uh, kind of like the epicenter of all of the ridiculousness is Billy Mitchell because he is just such a ridiculous fucking person. And we're going to spend a lot of time talking about Billy Mitchell, but I want, I want to run through a few of the other characters, uh, that I have a particular fondness for, uh, before we get into Billy. Um, so we, I, I want to talk about Steve Weeby a little bit. How did, how did you feel about Steve Weeby watching this movie? Um, I felt such a, such a kinship with this man because, <laughs> you know, the, something about the fact that he, you know, the, 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 the the movie shows his childhood and how he was kind of really naturally good at a lot of things uh at, at sports at uh mu- music um he was in a grunge band struggling grunge band in Seattle in the in the early 90s and then he kind of you know settled and like had a had a family and is now struggling in, with a new career um and those things that he was so naturally talented at, none of them really panned out into a way to, you know, help make him money and be able to justify uh, a reason to spend so much time uh, doing it. Because unfortunately, that's, you know, the world that we live in. Um, uh, he had to provide for a family, so he, he kind of had to set aside all that stuff. Um, but the there's just this, like, deep, sense of dissatisfaction in his eyes in the very beginning but you know he 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 would never like say it out loud because he's such a sweet guy right yeah. like he would never talk about the fact that you know he 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 never got to achieve something great um because you know you're you're 
you're supposed to. And I'm sure he does feel that like his family is a great achievement and his career um, in teaching these kids is a great achievement. But he didn't get that glory. He didn't get to be in that band. He didn't get to tour the world. Um, and, you know, I, I, I definitely <laughs> I definitely felt that. Um, and you, you, you just want you just want him to win. And uh, and it was he, he's yeah, he's just a genuinely kind person. I think you would agree. He, yeah. The, the movie makes him seem like very kind. Yeah. And I mean, I think part of this is like an example of how documentaries are manipulative. Right. Because uh-huh. how we see so much more Steve Wiebe at home, Steve Wiebe with his kids, Steve Wiebe growing up, Steve Wiebe and his life struggles. We see very little of that from other people in the movie and it makes him more humanized than a lot of the other characters and it's why you know the the film makes you root for him for that reason now you know as a documentary filmmaker you will latch on to that you know you see this guy who is like this really sweet family man with these kids that he cares about and he's got a wife and he's you know he's you know got laid off and is starting a new career and all this stuff and and you zero in on that but that's how they get you, right? This is how they sort of, this is the movie magic at work. This is them making you care about Steve Wiebe, um, which luckily Steve Wiebe's opponent is Billy Mitchell. So it's not hard to make us sympathize with Steve Wiebe. The, and the funny thing about about Billy Mitchell is all that stuff you're describing, like that he has a wife and kids and he started a new career and you know, there's a lot of uncertainty. Like all of that type of shit most certainly has happened to Billy Mitchell as yeah. well. And yeah, they don't show it in the movie. But also, Billy Mitchell in his professional life and the 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 personality that he puts forth in every piece of media that he's been attached to is just so fucking extra. <laughs> it's awful. He's awful. <laughs> that he he was just made to be like a the dude folding his arms on the on the movie poster. Yeah. Like he was meant to be that dude. He's he is he is a he is an anime villain, <laughs> rot flesh. Yeah. Um, he's, yeah, he's fucking Seto Kaiba. Yeah. Um. So so before we get to Billy, there's there's two characters that I want to talk about. My two favorite characters in the movie besides Billy yes. Mitchell. Um. Number <laughs> one is Steve Weeby's wife, who just has the most massive "I don't want to fucking be here" energy <laughs> out of anyone in the film. Yeah. It's and it's like to her credit, she. She she's she's totally on board. She mm-hmm. doesn't like belittle um his his hobby, his passion. Um but she definitely, you know, kind of wants nothing to do with all these fucking nerds who are breaking into her house and <laughs> trying to do all this crazy espionage shit when she's like, "Um, can you please leave my home that I have a mortgage on?" <laughs> yeah, god, that that is one of my that is one of my favorite moments. That is one of the moments where you can really feel her like, I don't even know how to describe the emotion, but when she just says, you know, I'm, I'm here, I'm the homeowner, I'm the wife of the Donkey Kong guy. <laughs> and you just, you can just feel this woman's pain. It's, 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 I feel like it's, she is just super not happy that they're making a documentary about this at all. She's like, she's yeah. just so not stoked on it. You get the kind of impression that like, she was not really down with the Donkey Kong thing to start with. She was, like, annoyed at how much of it, his life it was taking up. And then it blew up for him and worked out really well. And now she's like, just, God, fucking damn it. I have to talk, <laughs> to talk about fucking Donkey Kong in, like, four or five separate interviews. Yeah, and it's like, not only that, but there's just this knowing look in her eyes of, like, this is gonna be a movie, and this is, like... 
this is going to follow us for our whole lives, yep. isn't it? <laughs> like, I, I already wasn't on board with this Donkey Kong thing, and now it is um, inextricably uh, tied to my life <laughs> forever. Yeah, it's, it's, she's great, because her, her just... Her passive aggression in this film is only matched by one other character, only exceeded by one other character, and that is my personal favorite, Brian Koo. My boy. I the the quiet, impotent rage <laughs> of Brian Koo is my favorite thing in this movie. So this guy, he's sort of he's like Billy Mitchell's lackey. He's like he was the number two guy on the Donkey Kong leaderboard before Steve Weeby showed up, but he was, like, way behind where Billy Mitchell was. And mm-hmm. his saltiness about that is so clear, but so unmentioned. Because he can, he's not capable of just outright t- saying to the camera, yeah, I'm pissed that Steve Weeby is doing better than me because I've been doing this for forever and studying for forever, and that fucking sucks. Instead, he has to be like... Oh, you know, Steve Weeby, you know, he's, he's, he's doing really good. You know, I, I mean, you know, he, I don't know if he's as good as Billy and, you, you know, he might, he might not make it to the, to the end of the game, but he might not score a million points, but you, you know, he could, he could, that could happen. The, the best scene in this entire movie, um, like by far, I, I really think this scene is like poetic cin- cinema to me. It is incredible. It's the, the scene where, where Steve Weeby is at the fun spot and he's getting the high score. Steve Weeby is like eight to 10 feet away in the background and they are interviewing Brian Koo in the foreground. Like while this dude is getting the world record and he is just like so obviously so irritated about it, but he's not willing to actually like express that in any way. Yeah. What, what he's actually saying is like, yeah, I mean, yeah, he's at, you know, he's at 700,000. He's got, he's got a little ways to go. Um, you know, may, maybe he could do it. Who knows? And then you hear the, the sound of a screen being cleared in the background. He's like, and of course he he just cleared another screen. He's clearly, he's doing great. He hasn't even lost a life yet, which is great. That's awesome. He's doing good. Um, yeah, but we know the the, the next screen. You know, yeah. there's uh, I I I've been on that pace before, and then I just got totally fucked by some fireballs because this game this game just gets everyone. Like no one is immune to how hard this game is. So we'll see what happens to him. Maybe he'll do it. I, I don't know. I love what he says. You know, maybe he'll maybe he'll crack under the pressure. <laughs> Yeah, maybe he'll crack like, like like I have. Like I mean, everyone is cracking under the pressure. Even um, he's he's uh, he's like I mean, this machine at this particular arcade is cursed. Uh, e- even even Billy has said that he thinks this machine is cursed, and Billy's the greatest. So yeah, and yeah, and, his his like his his like slightly homoerotic, but not that homoerotic love for Billy Mitchell is also a factor in all of this. Like, it's the fact that he's being bested as the contender and also that this guy is challenging the the man who raised him in Donkey Kong. It's it's the type of, like, hero worship um, that that we are so fucking used to being in kind of the esports, you know, fighting game scene. Mm-hmm. We we totally see this shit all the time of like, oh, the the that set against, you know, X top player d- doesn't count cuz <laughs> yeah. cuz fucking uh his controller was bullshit anyway and he had to he did barely slept that night. I saw on Twitter that his flight was all messed up and he had to take a shit and like so so who knows if that could ever happen again i mean i need to see it happen consistently there's a reason why this guy's a top player and it's it was exactly that yeah. <laughs> that impotent yeah, rage yeah. is strong yeah um let's talk about our friend billy 
Billy is... Billy is... You know, I will say one thing about the movie Pixels. I will say that they did not a halfway bad job with their Billy Mitchell analogy. With their Peter Dinklage... Um, yeah, their, 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 their analog for Billy Mitchell is pretty fucking accurate. <laughs> yeah. Um, I, I would say, cause you can watch the first scene of pixels and it, and that movie's not terrible yet. If you only watch the intro, you get, you get to see Peter Dinklage as the Billy Mitchell character. It's fucking spot on, dude. <laughs> yeah, it he, really is. He is. Billy Mitchell, who, who likens himself to the Red Baron in the first five minutes of this movie. <laughs> <laughs> Billy Mitchell, who That's calls, tr- he does do that shit. Does, oh my god! He, the Billy He's, Mitchell who calls himself the all-around most experienced and seasoned person in hot sauce and chicken wings. <laughs> so, an important fact about Billy Mitchell is that he also owns like a chicken wing restaurant and like a hot sauce company. And there's a part in this movie where it shows him going to a grocery store and moving the other hot sauces to the back of the shelf so that more people will see his hot sauce instead. He he's like a parody of himself. He really is. He really is. I I I think I would just like to just pull a couple of my favorite Billy Mitchell quotes from this film because I really think you need to. I okay. There's the part where he's <laughs> there's the part where he says, "No matter what I say, it's controversial. It's like the abortion issue. If you're for it, you're a son of a gun. If you're against it, you're a son of a gun. I'm not God. I don't have all the answers." That's a good one. He also, my, my favorite moment, there's a part where it cuts to a clip of him in an interview for like five seconds. And all he says is on my phone, it says never surrender. And he like holds up his flip phone. <laughs> yeah. it, it, we don't know if it's like a text to himself or just a note that he wrote himself on his phone, but he makes sure to show the camera his phone. Yeah. So we know that he's not bullshitting you. <laughs> and, 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 and it's also just like the, 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 the blind patriotism of Billy Mitchell. He wears a fucking so every, first he is he is known for wearing dress shirts and ugly ties, and they're always ugly United States of America ties. There's a part where like he's like he's getting he's in the interview and the and he and he's like you know people always ask me what what three initials I put in when I get a high score, and I, I always say, look at me. What do you think my three initials are? And then he gestures at the American flag tie. And the interview goes interviewer goes, uh, <laughs> tie? And he was like, You and he goes, You obviously didn't look close enough. Because <laughs> that was my thought too. I was like, is it gonna be like tie? Because ties are his thing. And I thought maybe the, I thought maybe the tie thing, because I noticed the ties. I was like, is he wearing a, a tie because like the character Donkey Kong always wears a tie? <laughs> I was like, is this really the the thing? And I swore this was going to be his moment where he's like, it's Ty, because like, I'm the real Donkey Kong. I'm the real bad boy. But it was instead like this this random, like, I gotta rep my fucking country. And it was like, oh, okay, but, oh, okay, sure, yeah. fine. And then, and then there is such a cult of personality around this dude. And it's so, like, all of these nerds that are in this sort of arcade game community are so enamored with him and he's such a fucking tool like he isn't he isn't cool he isn't even really charismatic he isn't like likable in any capacity he's like weird and uncomfortable and like 
not a suave or, like, fun person to be around in any capacity. But everybody is just so, like, everybody is just so wrapped up in this idea that he's the best. That he's the best mm-hmm. that ever was. That no one else is ever going to be better than Billy Mitchell. Billy Mitchell's a legend. Billy Mitchell's the one who gets to go on TV. Billy Mitchell's the guy. He's the one we all look up to. To the point where they're... They're, they're just, like, willing to completely betray their own principles and just, like, ignore reality. Like, you know, this... the They spend so... All of the people who are involved with Twin Galaxies in this movie spend so much time talking about how Twin Galaxies is all about integrity. Twin Galaxies, we take this shit really seriously. Twin Galaxies, mm-hmm. you know, if, 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 if we weren't honest, you know, who will be? You know, we have to be the ones who to, you know, put our feet down and say, no, this is important. Like, especially, we're, we're going to talk about Walter Day, who is the sort of... Uh, He's the founder of Twin Galaxies. He's done been the dude and still is the dude decades later. Um, and he spends so much time talking about integrity and how important it is to have integrity and how important it is to have live scores performing in front of people. But Billy Mitchell, because he is this like celebrity in this community, is just allowed to like submit tapes uh, that have like clearly been altered, but people just ignore it. Like tapes that are clearly, you know, bullshit in some way or would require further investigation. And they, there's a part where like Steve Weeby gets the world record and then Billy Mitchell sends the fucking tape in and they give him this new world record within like 10 minutes without doing any, like they talk about, oh, our verification process is really important. You know, we have this guy who is supposed to be verifying everything and watching every single frame. And they, for Billy Mitchell, it's not important, right? Cause he's fucking Billy Mitchell. So, you know, of course he's going to be honest. You know, because this guy seems really trustworthy. Yeah, uh, I, it's yeah. They they completely ignore the fact, ignoring the fact that this dude does not seem trustworthy. <laughs> it's just, I I really think, and and Wal- the Walter thing is so so interesting to me because because your gut reaction is to kind of, uh, he's kind of lovable, but you kind of you kind of hate him because he was the guy who, uh, with no verification, decided to implement that taped score that you did a spoiler we later found out last year in 2018 is illegitimate um he was willing to submit that and that stood for for a decade as the first time a million points was broken um and you know you get to see weeby's you know soul crushed in that moment so you want to be mad at walter but it's kind of just isn't that like how isn't that how like we all kind of are like twin galaxies became something bigger than Walter could handle. Like he wanted to be kind of the judge and the jury, but his heart was too in the community. Yeah. His heart was too, too in it. He was, he was no longer able to be impartial. And, uh, you know, he has an apology at the end to Steve, which is kind of a nice genuine moment for the movie. It's good that he acknowledges like the, the rat fuckery that took (laughs) place, um, to Steve, but, it's like you have to believe that Twin Galaxies in in Twin Galaxies because they make rules out of the mundane and they create order uh, out of chaos in like a silly little hobby and that's kind of like what we all do in real life and it's just the paradox that will always exist in these type of things of you know the impartiality and the the fandom uh, ex- coexisting yeah. and it, Walter's Walter's whole arc in this movie is kind of just an example of um, a really good example of what we all kind of do and struggle with. Yeah. You know, you're, you're, 
your brain wants to wa- like Walter Day so badly right. because he, you know, he's like this older dude. He plays the guitar. He's like, like very like goofy, you know, dad joke type of dude. You know, he's like, he's, he's not like, I wouldn't say that he is necessarily charismatic, but he is charming, right? Like you, you want to like him because in interviews, his passion is so obviously on display. Um, mm-hmm. And, and he, he obviously takes it so seriously and he obviously like has put so much of his life into building this thing, but he's just so full of shit. He's just, yeah. he's just <laughs> full of fucking shit because he talks so much about how important integrity is to him and how, you know, how important it is to verify scores. And then he just throws it all out the fucking window for the sake of Billy Mitchell. And it's, it's, it's so transparent. And by the, you know, I've watched this movie probably like five or six times and like this time watching it through i was kind of like dude fuck walter day like, yeah like honestly no, like, big time though yeah you're, you're totally right yeah. yeah um so so the last thing we're we're gonna address here uh the elephant in the room uh it is a lot of fun to watch this film here in 2019 when Billy Mitchell has been permanently banned from Twin Galaxies, has had all of his records throughout history, like all of his records from the 80s onwards have been scrubbed from the books. They no longer exist. Billy Mitchell is an unperson as far as Twin Galaxies is concerned because last year people did a bunch of analysis on his world record tapes and were like, yeah, he's like pretty clearly using an emulator here. And I, I looked into this, too, because I, I hadn't done any deep digging because I hadn't seen the movie at the time. Mm-hmm. But And I'm sure you've done this already, but uh, just today after watching it, I was kind of looking into it. And the the um, the process of, uh, of protesting a, uh, a record on Twin Galaxies had not been implemented until recent years. And kind of the, the, the couple of people who... There's been people who have known for years, like, hey, this record is bullshit, but there just wasn't a process to appeal mm-hmm. um, until recently. And so when when it was time, they were like, hey, haha, now we can do this. Look at this giant body of evidence we have against <laughs> Billy Mitchell, your fucking golden boy. And uh, yeah, to their credit, they the, the statement here is just... Uh, I'll read the little statement. Based on the complete body of evidence presented in this official dispute thread, Twin Galaxies administrative staff has unanimously decided to remove all of Billy Mitchell's scores as well as ban him from participating in our competitive leaderboards. We have notified Guinness World Records of our decision. Like, it... Brutal. It, I think it's it's more crazy that he's not entirely a fraud. Right, because uh, like this mm-hmm. dude did show up in the fucking eighties and play some goddamn Pac-Man and play some goddamn Donkey Kong and did get those records. People saw him do this, but as the years went on and people started to challenge his success, people started to reach his level of skill. He was not able to handle that. He was not able to handle the idea that he was no longer the best in the world and that if he wanted to keep being the best in the world, he was going to have to work his fucking ass off. And he wasn't interested in that. He was interested in selling fucking hot sauce and going on the Today Show. (laughs) You know, that's what it was about for him. And so he just became this, like, well-known fucking fraud now. And and he is disgraced. (laughs) No one gives a fuck about Billy Mitchell anymore because he... 
he is he is gone from the historical record. It's it's incredible. If you have not taken the time to read up on on the the recent Billy Mitchell controversies and his God, there's like a I think it was on like a podcast or a radio show where he like gave a response to this situation and just just said nonsense. Just said a a series of sentences that were technically words and were technically grammatically correct and made sense in order together, but as a paragraph in total, were just complete bullshit. And it, it's it's so obvious that he's just this dude that's just been backed into a fucking corner and can't do anything because he has been lying for decades now. Yeah, it's, it's incredible. decades. It's incredible. What are we watching next week, Mark? Um... So uh, we're we're kind of doing the we watch a good thing and to set the the universe right we need to watch a really bad thing uh, afterwards. However, I can't say for sure that this is really bad. I don't know a single person who has watched um, Good Game, which is an American uh, comedy web TV series on YouTube Red. Um, developed by michelle morrow and jesse cox um it's it's the game grumps esports show where you know the famed game grumps uh the not including the one who is a white nationalist uh the other two um uh star as esports celebrities and this show you know follows kind of their exploits in the esports industry it's a it's a comedy i'm told to understand um, they are comedians, uh, ostensibly. Um, yeah. I'm gonna be. I'm not gonna be too mean about yeah. you. Yeah, I. We I used to yet, be a right? huge. Yeah, I used to be a huge Game Grumps fan. Um, I'll occasionally catch a thing that they have done in the past five years, and I'll say, "Hey, that wasn't terrible. Good, good for them." Yeah. Uh, I, I, I generally think that they're decent in terms of uh, how how decent you can be as a person mm-hmm. uh, when it comes to being a YouTuber in the game sphere. <laughs> Uh, except for that one guy who God. I don't even need to say his name. Um, holy shit. <laughs> so I'm genuinely excited to watch this, see if it's any good. Um, I, I, I am not uh, not not really a Game Grumps fan, never really was. Um, only like tangentially familiar with Ego Raptor and, and, and Dan uh, as they are. Um, this thing lasted one season. There are six episodes of it. We're going to watch the first three next week. Uh, and if we feel compelled to do another episode, we'll watch the second three. We'll see how we feel about it. Uh, this thing got canceled after one season. So it's either great or awful. Those are the only two possibilities. Uh, and <laughs> do you think this is going to be like Firefly? Yeah. Like, fuck, I can't believe this only got one season. <laughs> what a what a goddamn shame. Yeah. So I'm uh, looking forward to it. I guess? I don't know. We'll see. Where can people find the podcast on the internet, Mark? Uh, You can follow us at Cartridge Cinema on Twitter. Join the Discord. It's linked on the Twitter in the pinned post. Uh, Listen to us on your favorite podcast listening platform and device. Uh, It's on iTunes and Spotify and SoundCloud. Uh, Rate us. uh, Give us five stars. Please don't rate us any lower or I will be sad. Um, The music is by DJ Tin Man. The art is by Courtney Kaufman. Uh, It's really hot in my apartment right now because I had to have all the windows closed, so I'm going to open them up now. For me, it was Tuesday. Tuesday.